Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we continue our countdown of our top 10 Division I men's college tennis teams heading into the 2023 season. And folks, after today's episode, we'll have hit the halfway mark. We'll have covered teams ranked 10 through 6 in our preseason ranking. Of course, our goal here at Crack Rackets is to preview each of our top 10 teams before the start of play in January. Of course, each and every show available on our Great Shot podcast feed for what it's worth. I'm also going to start speaking with these head coaches on the Cracked Interviews podcast, so be on the lookout for all of that content to drop. But of course, if we're previewing another Division I men's college tennis team, you know who's going to join me on today's show to do just that. Of course, you know him best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, and now I know him best as the lean, mean, vegan machine. It's our dear friend, Chris Halioris, the professor. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. You look thin, and you look ready for the 2023 season, my friend. Dieting going well? I going well, but a long way to go. Not thin enough, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, well, it's it's going well and definitely, uh, definitely ready to go. That's for sure. Were you ready for the lean, mean, vegan machine to be added to your introduction? I was not ready for that. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. Yeah. But I mean, it's apropos given that today, you know, I'm taking most of the rest of the year off. My day consisted of the old man waking up late, kind of normal. <laughs> And then three hours of grocery shopping at the Asian Mart, the uh, the the Indian Mart, and the grocery store. Three hours of cooking, and then dessert before this show. So, you know, it's been a long day. No work, Uh, but a long day. Well, you'll like this added tidbit that perhaps this will make you feel youthful. And by the way, suspended in the introduction, we're going to get to it in a second, is the man I owe a dinner to already. And I'll explain (laughs) that fact to all of you listeners in a little bit. But just a fun tangent for you. So I am back down here in Florida right now with my dad, my youngest brother, Nicholas. Of course, my older brother, mom, going to be joining us throughout the course of the week. But you sent me a text tonight during dinner that made me laugh. And so my dad's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I got a text from Chris Halioris, who I do the college pods with. Of course, my mom would know who you are, but my dad, no clue who you, you know, (laughs) nothing about you. So he goes, oh, like, tell me more about this Chris guy. I go, 
actually, you'd really like him. He's your age. Like, he's a t- perfectly normal guy. Like, one of my, much like you, one of my closest friends. Uh, to which my dad says, Alex, you really abuse that one of my closest friends in the world phrase. I'm like, okay, but this one I actually mean it about. Uh, and just, it, it was a very, I got to introduce the, the character of Chris Hallioris to my dad tonight. So I thought you'd enjoy that story. He's like, he's, he's my age? Like, he's not, like, he's like, so, so, so then how did you meet him? I was like, you know, grinder. I was like, the usual, all those sorts of. <laughs> I swipe left at Yeah. <laughs> I honestly have no idea if I just said the right or wrong. Yeah, I have, I have no idea. For the record, we're both in uncharted territory with this joke, so let's be careful, my friend. But I uh, know if we had a, a Chris Hallioris appearance, I suppose, um, at dinner earlier today. So I thought you'd enjoy that. But, you know, the reason I also am excited to have you on the show today and something we try to build into each of these top 10 podcasts is the fact that there always are December surprises during this portion of the calendar, particularly we feel like in the COVID era, you just never know who's going to be that late December recruit. Maybe it's a younger player who has their credits aligned and can start college early. Maybe it's that pro player who says, you know what? Given how things have gone over these past two and a half years during this COVID era, I am going to take the time to go back to university to play a little bit of college tennis. Well, we maybe had the most impactful December surprise and maybe the most impactful recruiting announcement we've gotten outside of Diallo turning pro here in the fall. And that's the announcement, of course, over the past couple of days at Lerner Tien, the 2022 Boys 18 Kalamazoo singles champion has announced that he will be participating in college tennis this spring. He will be spending his days in Los Angeles on the campus of the University of Southern California. Tien is planning to join, again, the Trojans here in January. And look, if you want to hear extended thoughts on USC, go check out the preseason podcast Chris Hallioris and I did earlier uh, in this offseason. Certainly feels like both of us, uh, you know, again, we're pretty high on this USC team heading into 2023. But look, why we liked this USC so, team so much is we knew all the faces coming back for the Trojans. They had a lot of known commodities on their roster, a team that ultimately reached the round of 16. And honest to God, you play that match against Ohio State from the round of 16 10 times. I legitimately think they win it somewhere between three and four uh, times. That said, you know, we love Dostinick. We love all the pieces. We were wondering how they were going to get their pieces to equal more than the sum of the parts. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris Hallioris, you add someone like Lerner Tien, who, of course, 2022 Kalamazoo champion. He's had some success out on the pro tour as well. This isn't just adding a supplemental piece to the roster, Chris. I think adding a Lerner raises USC's ceiling. I think it raises them what tier they have to be considered moving forward. And if we were to rejigger our preseason top 10 with this additional piece of information, I think I'd have USC six or seven. And I think they would probably be the start of the definitive tier one tier for me of teams where if you win the national championship in 2023, maybe there are degrees of surprise, but by no means would I be shocked now to see the Trojans lift the trophy in 2023. I know that's strong praise for one recruit, but Chris Tien's kind of exactly what USC needed. Absolutely. Uh, I mean... 
look, this is a team that we we when we talked about them, we talked about, you know, not feeling necessarily great about six. Well, you add a learner ten who you know is in the lineup. And uh, you know, we we've seen some comments to the post that we put on Facebook. Look, there's no way this guy's playing bottom half of the lineup. He's gonna be in the top three in the lineup. I mean, I will we'll get into lineup, but I assume he's got to be two three. Uh, that just pushes your spot, you know, pushes everybody down one so that now whoever you were projecting five is six and you get a great competitive battle for a bunch of guys to be in the lineup, all guys that are, that are very worthy. And now it's a matter of, you don't have to have everybody there. You can afford to have one guy not be in form and someone step up and coach Macy gets to decide, Hey, these, you know, this, these are the guys that are playing well right now. This is who, this is who we're rolling with. It's a huge boost. And obviously that, you know, that added the much, we talked about stuff is one. And then they're really, we didn't really feel great necessarily, you know, probably mock, but not necessarily great about who was going to come after that. This definitely helps that situation. And look, I mean, Bradley Fla- Bradley Fry played great for them at, you know, a lot of two spot last year. He's pro I mean, I would assume I would guess. I don't know. I'm gonna guess he's four. He could be three, but he's probably the four in the lineup. Much, much needed. Push him down in a spot that he's much better suited for. This is this does a world of good for these guys. Yeah, and look, this USC team had seven players on the roster here this fall. Now, Sam Rubel has also been extraordinarily banged up throughout the course of the fall, and so it was really a six-guy team. Now, they bring in Carl Lee in the spring already prior to this, and for those that don't remember, Lee, the rising sophomore transferring over from UCLA, played primarily at the four and five positions for them last season, was top 10 recruit in his class and certainly just the addition of that eighth guy for the Trojans. Carl Lee, even if he didn't play right away, was going to give these USC Trojans a depth that they desperately needed because you mentioned not only if someone's playing poorly, someone's going to get injured during the five months of spring. And when you only have seven guys, simply put, that's just not enough. So Lee would have been eight, which is helpful But now you have nine guys when you bring in Lerner Tien as well. And to your point, Chris, you bring in a tier one talent, a top of the lineup sort of guy, a 13-5 UTR, a guy who, again, I think Steph has to play one. Steph's got the weapons. Steph's got the pedigree. He dropped one freaking match at the number one single spot last year. And if we're being honest, with the departure of Shelton and Diallo, We'd agree that Diallo's the guy heading into the season, right? Of all of Diallo, excuse me, uh, Dostinik's the guy heading into the season, right? Of everyone in college tennis who's proven it the most at the number one singles position, it's not Ethan Quinn, it's not Nishesh Basavaretti, the fall superstars, it's not even Elliot Spaziri. I would argue right now, no one is better positioned to be the guy than Stefan Dostinik in 2023. Here's the thing, though: you add a learner Tien who will probably be playing top three in the lineup minimum. Just the burden on Dostinik's shoulders now, Chris. You feel like he can afford to lose, I don't know, three, four, God forbid, even five matches at the number one singles position this year, which, by the way, with the schedule the Trojans play, very, very possible for that to happen to Dostinik this year. But it's just like, 
I don't know. I feel like he doesn't need to be the lock at one he was last year because, again, everyone who played, regardless of where they played last year, is probably now pushed down his spot because you get into talent like Tiana, too. And even if he's a little bit slower developing, Chris, you just have two top two singles players now. You just feel like, again, they had outstanding depth. You feel like they had five guys who could all dominate at the four through six single spots. With the addition of Tien, to your point, they're just now going to be able to do that. And so, again, where we end this conversation on USC, if you were to ask me where would I put them now, I would clearly have them above Stanford as my number seven team in the rankings as the clear-cut Pac-12 favorite. And that's why, by the way, you name the place. It will go by the dinner whenever that happens during the regular season. I seed that loss to you before a single ball is struck in 2023, my friend. But I think, and, and not to... Not to overemphasize, not to exaggerate, you know, not to use hyperbole here. Doesn't this make USC a tier one contender now? Because they were certainly on the outskirts of that conversation before. And I know he's a freshman, but like they have strength at top. They have depth. This is a team, you know, if Dostnik and Fry is your number one doubles team, you fill in the pieces from there. You feel pretty good about all seven points in the Trojans lineup, Chris. I think they're a tier one contender now. I would move them up to either seven or six today. We'll see where I feel after this TCU conversation. Yeah, no, I think very fair for me. And I mean, you know, obviously we have our consolidated rankings, if you will, that we're going through. Uh, But in in just looking at at my rankings where I had had people personally, I would I would have slot. I would say I'm I'm one spot higher where I'm debating five, six. But yeah, it's, you know, very, very similar Uh, for me. I think I probably I probably slot them ahead of TCU, who we're about to talk about only for the reason TCU is deeper than they've been in a long time, but still the perennial, are they going to be healthy injury type questions uh, with going on uh, with the roster? I still have questions there. If they're completely healthy, I think, you know, I maybe not, but I would slot them above them. And then, yeah, the teams we're about to get into, you know, not going to spoil who we're talking about, uh, you know, coming up after that. But I think for me, it's a question of, yeah, right in front of TCU or one more spot. And and that's the debate for me. Fun fact for the listeners, though, uh, if you've not gotten to see Lerner Tian and you're just learning, hey, USC signed a 17-year-old. Nice just learning. Hey, great shot. Carry on. Yeah. I will go back. Uh, during the U.S. Open, right, Lerner got to play U.S. Open this year. First round U.S. Open stats come out. I get a text from, uh, and I'll, I'll go ahead and quote him, our buddy Noel's tennis fan. Uh, I, I get a message from him, a text message showing first round serve speeds top five at the U.S. Open. 144, 144, 143, 141, and 139 are the speeds. Those names in order, Humbert, Lerner Tien, also at 144, which is ridiculous. He was 16 at the time, by the way, right? I I believe. He was 16 when he won the zoo. I'm not sure if he was 16 or 17 when he got to play the Open. Uh, Goyacek third, Bublik fourth. Ben Shelton was the 139 and fifth. Those were your top serve speeds go at that point in the first round. So, I mean, if you want to go out and see some fun, 
I mean, somebody that can bomb a 140 serve, it's going to be fun to watch. Well, if you haven't seen Lerner play, let's be clear, he's a lefty. Uh, to your point, he was able to win Kalamazoo, get to uh, play that first round of the U.S. Open where he actually won his opening set against Miamir Kesmenovic uh, before losing that match in four I don't think he's the – oh, it's so different because, like, against the pro balls, against the greatest balls, he was a little stiff in the hips. Like, wasn't the most athletic mover out there, but God is his contact point. Just, per, like, when he makes contact through the ball, boy, can he explode through it. And, again, physically, I like Dostinik at that number one spot, but ball striking-wise, to put Tien at two – Mm. Yeah, I, I think we've covered it. Again, shout out. I'm sure TCU fans are like, oh, I appreciate you guys starting the TCU pod with 16 minutes of USC talk. That's exactly what we said. Ah, hey, they for. didn't even know they were numbers. So yeah. whatever number we're at. So whatever. <laughs> exactly. I would also say, again, this is huge news because anytime it, uh, a player is added that, you know, again, when Alcaraz announces his Wake Forest scholarship, guess what? We're going to do this same thing about Wake Forest and they'll be elevated in that moment as well. Or just, you know, whatever December surprise are still awaiting when do I get, okay. People know Carolyn Campana. See, Jay's going to listen to, you know what? I'm not Jay. I'm not going to get you in trouble. Um, but let's just say there may be another Pepperdine edition in the near future. Um, and that was right Shocking. there. Shocking. Yeah, exactly. By the way, they only have six players. Um, so one yeah. would imagine there's another one there. We'll continue to add, talk about the new pieces added as we learn about these new pieces. Again, no learn, learner jokes. We're, we're banning them here. You got it out early, Chris. First and only learn, learner pun established here Tuesday, December 12th. We've worn it to death already, but... Yeah, it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And I do wonder if you made the newcomer rankings, even with Boss Veretti and you know some of the other superstar freshmen, Jack Pennington-Jones, who we're going to talk about in a little bit here, Sebastian Gorsny, who, of course, won a junior double slam uh, earlier in the summer. Some scholars have argued, Chris, that Tien is a more impactful additional recruit, that he is the best freshman in the country to walk. And I mean, Kalamazoo champion, typically that's the guy of your American cohort. And so I think obviously both, I, I, I know you understand this, but hopefully our listeners will also understand why we felt the need to spend as much time talking about Tien as we did. With that said, any final thoughts? Or are you ready to get into TCU? Let's get into TCU. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. All right, well, with that said, then let's talk about the TCU Horned Frogs, and certainly when you look for TCU, uh, you would argue that 2022 maybe didn't end on the note that they were ha- they were hoping for, but hard to imagine everything up until May going better than it did for the Horned Frogs in 2022. Again, simply put, TCU had a spectacular season. You look overall what the Horned Frogs were able to accomplish, even on the record, superficially, 26-5, and 5-0 and in conference play, 15-4 and at home, 7-0 and on the road. I mean, this TCU team got a bunch of wins, 
And again, they did it in all portions of the calendar, non-conference, conference play, national indoors. Of course, the big news is Coach Roditi and the Horned Frogs were able to capture that first national championship. And let's keep in mind, this TCU team has just been on the precipice of this caliber of a result for so long throughout the Coach Roditi era. And obviously with the inclusion of Devin Bowen, who I think when you ask coaches who's the best X's and O's assistant coach in the country, you're not going to talk to a single coach who, when they're making their list, won't have Devin Bowen on that list. So I I, I want to make sure. And by the way, it's not just Devin. It's not just David Roditi. Obviously, Derek Siddiqui deserves a ton of credit in the development for this TCU team as well. But you know, dating back to the Nick Chapel days, or even before that, when this TCU, you know, in my head, Nick Chapel should have beaten Axel Alvarez and TCU should have been playing Virginia for the 2015 national championship in, uh, in Baylor, but we're not going to, don't worry. We don't have to relitigate that. Uh, once again here today, Chris, but certainly again, this TCU team has been on the precipice for so long in getting a big result like this for coach Roditi and ultimately they're able to do it again in 2022, capturing that national indoor championship, I mean, an incredible run on their way to that title. 4-2 win over Virginia, 4-0 win over Texas, the 4-3 win over an Ohio State team that had blitzed everyone in the lead-up to the national indoors, crushed Kentucky at home, crushed Tennessee, crushed Virginia, did all this dominating. And yet in the end, it was TCU who comes out, sticks it to the Buckeyes, 4-3 win in the semifinals. Obviously, a really nice 4-1 follow-up win for the Horned Frogs in the final. Now, after that, things got funky for a second, right? There was this long two, two-and-a-half-week break. University of Michigan ends up coming to Fort Worth in the first match after the National Indoors Wolverines knock off the Horned Frogs. Now, that ended up actually leading us to know more about this Michigan team and their contender status in the moment, but certainly that was a shocker at the time. Still, when you look for this TCU team, yes, they lost to Baylor in the non-conference matchup between the two schools, uh, and certainly that match was at home, but then they go to Baylor during the conference season, earn a 4-3 win over the Bears, another win over Texas, and you know another win over, o- uh, two wins, excuse me, over Oklahoma. Now, obviously, you look for this TCU team May was a struggle, you know, and for them to, I mean, (laughs) so listen to this and shout out to you, Chris. You asked me, did Utah play TCU at the national indoors last year? They did not. They played them in the round of 32 of the NCAA tournament. So your brain does still work. It is fascinating though for TCU because they lose 4-2 to Baylor, obviously big 12 championships, 4-0 over Drake, 4-0 over Utah, 4-0 even over NC State in the round of 16 before they get to Champaign. And I don't know, Chris, I swear to God, you play that quarterfinal match against Kentucky 10 times. I honestly think TCU wins six or seven of them. But on that day, in that moment, Kentucky was too good. They knock off top seeds, TCU, 4-3. TCU knocked out in the quarterfinals. That was a long synopsis of the 2022 season, but I think TCU earned four minutes to recap how impressive they were last year with that in mind. I ask you, did the Horned Frogs exceed expectations, underperform, or get things just right in 2022? You know, I'm going to – it's a tough call because of – the way they went out being, you know, the the top seed like they were, mm-hmm. but 
I actually think they probably, you know, barring the fact they didn't make a deeper NCAA run, I think they actually exceeded what I would have expected from them in that they, you know, you you talked about that schedule. And, you know, after that loss to Michigan, you know, they lose a match to Baylor. They lose another match to Baylor. And then they lose to Kentucky and that's it for for the rest of the season. I mean, they they did what they needed to do. They beat everybody they should have they should have beaten. Uh, you know, those matches with Baylor are going to be 50-50 matches. Sure, you would have liked to have, you know, would would have liked to have gotten one of those they did beat them once as well. I mean, I lord knows, I don't know how many times would they play them three or four times? Uh, I I think three, but you would have liked to maybe have come out two and one in those instead of one and two. But other than that, you know, other than the NCAA result, that's the disappointing part is that it had to end uh, in the quarterfinals. Outside of that, I'd say they exceeded my expectations. I'm not going to say all, but I'm not even going to say that that necessarily to me. I mean, that was a match that in the round of the, the, the quarterfinal round that I had picked for Kentucky as an upset I just think they were super, you know, Kentucky was coming into form, super dangerous top three. They just caught the wrong team at the wrong time. I mean, they could have easily been a finals team. It could have been TCU Virginia in the final had the draw worked out the right way. Uh, It just didn't work out and catching Kentucky was a bad break for them. And Kentucky eventually proved it, making it all the way to the finals and losing to Virginia. But I think it was a great, uh, I mean, a very successful year for them. Yeah, going into the tournament where you were, you were kind of thinking national title or bust. But, uh, you know, like I said, outside of the fact that it ended in the quarterfinals. But once you get to the final site, top eight teams, anything can happen. Uh, so I'll call it, I'll call it, a, you know, exceeded my expectations. See, I'm going to go just right because... I think we all thought, and shout out to Maddie, the cracks to Koek. You feel like this is the pod where we miss him more than any pod, right? Because Matt's relationship <laughs> with TCU, a 40-year journey to our college tennis fans. They know the ups, the downs. Maddie at times would pick them just as a troll to try and get under the skin of the Horned Frogs fans. And of course, uh, there would be moments where he would pick against them only to be proven just horrifyingly wrong. I think this team got things just right in that we knew on the right day last season, this team could be as good as any team in the country. When you bring back a core of Famba and Jong and, you know, you work in pieces like Aguilar and Vives and, you know, Maxted, who was excellent last season as well. I know I'm forgetting some contributors right now also, but this team had a ton of pieces and, you know, again, I think you look for them throughout the course of the season. Yeah, they would have loved to win. They won the one match against Baylor they probably didn't want to win. If you ask them, hey, you can win your home match, the away match, or the Big 12 championship match, they'd be like, you know which one we don't care about? The one that's at Baylor. Of course, that's the only one they win. That was funky. No doubt about that. But they won a national indoor champ. And, like, I just I go back to the beginning of the season where they beat Florida 4-3. They lose to Tennessee 4-3, but then they beat Ole Miss 4-3. They beat Mississippi State 6-1. They beat Virginia 4-1 before they go on that national indoor run, beating Virginia, Texas, Ohio State, Tennessee. 
I mean, we knew this team was that good from the start of the season, coming out to when they beat Florida at TCU at the beginning of the year, which was certainly a shocker to all of us at the time. Now, again, they only end up with one championship, that national indoor. I guess they win the Big 12 regular season championship too. So two of them, yeah, that feels about right. And to your point, they definitely got bailed out by Kentucky beating Ohio State the way that they did, right? By the time the semifinal was over, none of us cared about a really close 4-3 match in the quarterfinals. It was, holy crap, Ohio State just lost 4-1, and in reality, they probably should have lost 6-1 to Kentucky. You talk about a team that peaked at the exact right moment. That would be last year's Kentucky Wildcats. I mean, I don't know. Again, when I look at all of the pieces from last year, a team that has the experience of Aguilar, Fernley, Famba, Jong, and then the new pieces, Maxted, Vives, and, you know, again, all these things to supplement that core, that core should be competing for national championships. That core should be in the final site of every event that they play, and they did that last season. So I have to say it was Again, about just right for me for TCU last year. I guess anytime you win a national championship, you somewhat exceed expectations. But look, expectations is the big word because when you look at this group heading into 2023, they bring a lot of the same core back. In fact, they bring back just about everyone, and that includes Luke Famba, who, of course, last year 14-4 and four at the number one singles position. They bring in maybe last year's single most improved player for, uh, throughout the course of the year in Jake Fernley. Fernley 19-6 and six overall in dual match play, played throughout the three through six spots in the singles lineup, eight and one in his last 10 decisions. Of course, we know all about the landlord, Sander Jong, who just, again, you come to court number three, you got to pay the tax that comes with stepping on Sander Jong's court. You bring back guys like Pedro Vives, 13 and six, clinched the national indoors last year. Max did eight and six overall last year, but of course the big number for him, he uh, and Sander Jong, 18 and five, at the number two doubles position. Then shout out Tomas Jirasek, friend of the show, who you feel like can always fill in at the five, six spots in a pinch. And certainly with him going into his junior season, you feel that much more confident coming back here this year. Look, Chris, I just named six names who all have at least one season of experience in college tennis, who I think you feel pretty good about regardless of where they're at in the lineup. So let's just start with this TCU nucleus, right? It's a pretty good starting point for Coach uh, David Roditi heading into 23. Oh, it's a great, I mean, everything you, like, to your The point, reason they're tier one. Yeah, you bring everybody back except for Aguilar, who, you know, who who is the, the transfer and gone. And Rule, shout out Tim uh, Rule and those no knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, and we'll get to the guys coming in, but you, you know, so, so you lose, you lose Aguilar, but you bring in, you know, two guys I expect to see in the lineup and all But I, I guess see. before so. we get to those, those new additions, you're right, but I'm just saying this core alone, Chris, right? Like, let's say they didn't bring in a single new addition. This core alone is top 10. Like, this oh, team has proven already they're a top 10 team. They did it last year. Yeah, the core is outstanding. And and if you've got what I would presume to be a healthy Jake Fernley, and that's always, you know, he's been one of the guys, you know, it's always an issue. It, it, you know, I don't know why 
I would assume it's just strictly coincidence, but there always seems to be some injury bugs running around that, you know, some of the TCU guys, Fernley being one of them. But yeah, he had a, you know, he came on well last year, uh, has had a great between last year and this point in time, uh, you know, set of matches. He's, he's played really, really well, looks to be in really good shape and form. You bring all of that back, absolutely. It's a it's a great core, and you you know we'll get into where the guys they bring in where they might fit. But yeah, you'd be happy if you brought that core back and said, yeah, if we can bring a couple guys in to play five six, we're in pretty good shape. But as we're going to get into, it's better than that. Absolutely, and I mean, you talk about firmly. I never told the second half of this story. I was saving it for this year, but. Some listeners may remember last year, National Indoors, TCU was always the morning match. I was always obviously calling the morning match as well. And so we'd always overlap them stretching in the workout room, me being in the workout room. The second half of the Jake Fernley story, I didn't want to say this at the time because I was afraid he would feel insulted. And if he felt insulted, boy, would my self-esteem plummet. (laughs) Someone else in the workout room comes up to me and goes, hey, is this your wallet? Because they thought I looked like Jake Fernley, who left his wallet in the workout room and goes, you must be Jake Fernley. And I was like, I'm not. Yeah. Little hair on the chin. I wasn't offended. Hey, you know what? Westoff, give me some elevator music for this part. Elevator music done. Jake Fernley's a good, good-looking guy. Like I have no problem being being uh, confused for Jake <laughs> Fernley. I was fine with it, but uh, I was like a little bit conserved uh, that Fernley wouldn't like that part of the story. Obviously, I was able to give him back his wallet, but like, let's just go through these pieces individually, and you tell me regression or not based on the year they had last season. Famba fourteen and four at the number one spot. Better or worse this year? I think about the same that feels about right that's what i'm saying i I don't expect serious regression one way or the other yeah Uh, yeah. i would expect the same thing from it sander jong 16 and 4 at the number three spot and 21 and 5 overall the landlord i mean yeah i i actually have golly wow you have doubts about the landlord even if he jumps no, up to the no, number you know, two my, spot, my bigger my bigger doubts are actually whether I I don't I think he might be four. Real, mm, there's the spice we needed. Now we're talking. Yeah, I mean it's it's it it could it could get really interesting. I think some of these lineup decisions this year. Uh, and yeah, I mean I don't want to say I don't think he's going down. It it might get, but if you get to drop him even better maybe right so i don't think he's getting any worse yeah um i agree i think he's got the power tennis and he's had it for a couple of years to play in the top two of the lineup i don't think the jump from three to two is that significant and again the weapons he has indoor outdoors when sander is firing he's playing on his terms no matter what now again 21 and 5 is a big number but that feels about right for Sander Jong. And then you look for Fernley, 19 and 6, playing the three through six spots. If he's in three through six again this season, Chris, don't you feel like 19 and 6 is replicable? Yeah, absolutely. And and just just to be clear, what what I the comment I made about Jong had nothing to do with 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 Sander. I, yeah. I think I, I mean he he's tremendous. 
but I think as well as Fernley has played, I think there's a serious battle. I mean, I, I in my mind, the you know the top two will get to one of the newcomers and Famba, and then I think we end up with a Jong Fernley sort of battle, if you will, at that three four spot, which is why I said maybe Sander gets to play four. Fernley has played so well; he's deserving of a three spot. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's Sander three, Fernley four. I'm just saying it's possible. And if you do that uh, and you play Fernley up, I mean, Jong should be even better. But yeah, Fernley is absolutely going to, I in my mind, he's right there in that three, four spot. I agree. I, I Again, you feel pretty good if that's your core of the lineup. We can go through these next ones, I suppose, a little quicker. Vives 13 and six. If he's through the four through six spots again, like... Guy's just a rock in the fourth. I feel pretty good about Vivez if he's a bottom half singles lineup. Yeah, I, I mean, I he's definitely a bottom half guy. And I think you're getting into the point now where, you know, we, we talked about who I think we've already talked about who I think are the top four guys. And so now, yeah, everybody else. I mean, look, you've got four more, five more guys uh, with Lee added that are, you know, that, that are all, tr- you know, great talents that are going to be battling for the five, six spots. Vives is just one of those guys that, you know, he may not even make the lineup. He may be in the lineup, but uh, my guess is it's a battle for six for him. And if he's the guy you're playing six, you feel really good. Just a reminder, Pedro Vives, career high in the ATP singles rankings, 541. Uh, which he achieved back in 2021. Chris is saying a top 600 player might not make TCU's lineup. And the crazy thing, folks, is that's not even that hot of a take. Like, I can't make fun of him for it because, again, that speaks to perhaps the potential of some of these freshmen. And look, again, Maxted 8-6, and six, Jurasek 9-7. and seven. One imagine they're only going to improve upon those numbers. The, of course, biggest thing of it all is they bring back their top two doubles teams. Fernley, Famba, top 10 team all year long. 19-5 and five last year at one. Jong, Maxted, 18-5 and five at two. Of course, Jong and Maxted had a lot of success in the, in the fall here this year as well. Again, we said this at this top. We'll say it about these returners one final time. Even if this was all TCU brought back, this core probably still would have found itself inside the top 10. But the big thing, of course, is the new additions that welcome uh, that TCU welcomes here this offseason. And, I mean, let's start with the name we know will be playing, certainly, here in 2023. And that, of course, is freshman Sebastian Gorsny. You look at what Gorsny was able to accomplish over the course of the past summer. Of course, he uh, was able to partner to win the junior Wimbledon crown. Gorsny, of course, was also, uh, you know, uh, 18 years old is Gorsny, but was a top junior uh, in his class. Got to play a bunch of the big slams. I was looking at his Wikipedia. We need to have him on the show, but here's what it says on the Wikipedia, Chris. At the 2019 USDA Under-16s Nationals in Kalamazoo, Gorsny was in a coma for four days after a mosquito bite left him with an infection in his brain. That is a story I owe all of you listeners more reporting on. And if that's untrue, 
That's why we learned in middle school never to trust Wikipedia, but that's quite the entry for someone to just throw up there on Sebastian (laughs) Gorsny. The point is, of course, you bring in Gorsny as an additional doubles piece to a team that already brings back two top 15 doubles teams in the country. Gorsny, of course, you figure going to be able to contribute in singles as well. Let's start there. What do you know about him? What do you like about this addition to the team, Chris? Uh, I mean, yeah, great junior record. I'll say this. If that's true, I'm donating my $2 to Wikipedia. I mean, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> and if not, you're never getting my $2. Forget it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, so, I mean, outstanding junior record. One one of the t- I mean, from a from a recruit standpoint, a huge land uh, for, for TCU has just gone on to prove it all this year that, you know, he he's going to be a very, very valuable asset to, to that roster. I mean, I don't think we're going to see him. I don't think we see him in the top four because I think those other four guys are there, but I think he's solid in that five spot for them. And, and yeah, I just, I can't say enough. I mean, this it's almost, I will say not quite, not quite the learner TN level, uh, just a hair below, but in that same conversation, in terms of all the juniors coming in, when you're ranking those juniors that you want, he was not far behind Lerner in, in in trying to land your junior recruits. Yeah, I've watched a lot of Gorsney YouTube highlights during my days. Love his backhand. Love, love, love his backhand. And you know, Chris, I'm a backhand connoisseur. Now, am I ready to say it's on the... Zverev, sorry, Djokovic, Zverev, Korda, Basavaretti tier. You have to throw the Nishesh in there still. I just like to get the laughs out of Chris. Some of you may not hear it because sometimes he laughs so hard you can't hear it on Zoom. But let the record show. Chris, did you laugh at that? I absolutely laughed. Okay, and that's why I do it, folks. Um, Look, it's really nice aesthetically. Now, here's the thing, and I watched a lot of uh, Junior Wimbledon highlights, so you take it with a grain of salt. There are a lot of forehand slices in the Gorsny repertoire and I do think the forehand the grip's a little bit more extreme it certainly you feel like against top three pace top three physicality maybe Gorsney struggles early on but to your point it's not even the burden placed on Lerner Tien like Gorsney at best plays four singles for this team if he's actually surpassing Fernley Jong or Fomba you feel like you know that means things are going really well for the freshman here this season I mean, look, it's a good piece to add to your point for Gorsny, who from a UTR perspective has to be around 13, right? He's got to be close to it. Oh, he's well, well, he's like a 13-4. Yeah, you had a 13-4 as a freshman. You're feeling pretty darn good if you're coach David Rodidi. But to your point, Gorsny is not the most highly, highly touted freshman on the roster this year. That position belongs to Jack Pennington Jones, who dropped the Jones because it's a little bit cleaner that way on the website. Just Jack Pennington. I mean, look, Jack Pennington Jones was a top, top player in his age group, juniors or otherwise. You look for Pennington Jones right now, 19 years old, but reached a career high of number six in the junior rankings back in January of 2021, you look at Pennington Jones from a pro perspective, career high ranking number 489, which he reached in May of 2022. Now, we'll get to the eligibility side of the equation in a second. But Chris, if Jack Pennington Jones is able to play, I mean, 
how is this team not unequivocally a tier one national title contender, right? They just have answers everywhere with the addition of this freshman. No, no doubt. Yeah. If he's, if he's in the lineup, you know, you've got, you've got your choice of 13 twos at six. (laughs) That's actually such a great way of, of putting it. Carry on for with him, a 14 plus, you know, Some, you know, maybe at the top, maybe you still play Fomba one. You know, I who knows what Coach Rodidi does. But yeah, just the fact that you put him up there somewhere, all of a sudden, you know, you're Coach Rodidi and, and you're getting to sit there and look at the, the bottom of your lineup and you're going, huh, I got Gorsney's at 13-4. I can play him at five. I got Vives. I got Maxted. I got Jirasek, all 13 pluses. I get those guys to battle for six. I mean, come on, who's got that on their roster right now? So, yeah, if he's eligible, it's a, it's a huge, huge win for these guys. No, I mean, again, you bring in two 13-3 and, 13, three and better recruits uh, as freshmen to supplement a core that, again, you, you feel like if Jong, Fernley, Famba is your all-returner top three, you'd still feel pretty comfortable with that. Now, if, you know, one of the freshmen click in Pennington Jones or Gorsney, now you've got four certainly workable guys. Let's say one of Maxted or Vives takes a sophomore surge, which mathematically you feel like very possible it could happen. Certainly Vives has the track record, Maxted with the double success. Now you've got five rock solid guys and who's ever left of that group would have been your number six player to your point, the embarrassment of riches. But here's where we have to have an honest conversation. And I've alluded to this on previous podcasts. I'm going to say it again. I have had multiple coaches come up to me and say, Coach X will die before they see Jack Pennington Jones eligible for TCU this season. And we're not naming names because we're not snitches here at Cracked Rackets, Chris. But let's be abundantly clear. This isn't like a Bicknell situation or a Brancatelli situation where it's like they played a fall match for another school so they can get a waiver, all these different things. Jack Pennington Jones was signed to an agency. Like, that is unequivocal. He had an agent. He signed. He was ready to turn pro. Now, here's the flip side of that conversation. You think David Roditi doesn't know that? You think Coach Roditi, Coach Bowen, compliance at TCU hasn't been working their asses off to ensure that this highly touted recruit is going to be eligible for the start of the season? If you think they haven't been, you're crazy. And I don't think any rational person does think that. I think rational people would say, why would they have him on the roster if ultimately he's going to be ineligible now? Some of you may remember at the start of our show, we said our rules for this podcast would be if you're listed on the roster for all intents and purposes, we are considering you eligible. That said, as I look at this roster, Chris, and as I think about this TCU team, I just think the reason we have them number six, why aren't they higher than they are now? Where are they? You know, why are they where they are? Is I still think it's kind of hard to see Pennington Jones playing this season. Like, because he was signed to an agent. Yeah, I mean, in the back of your head, it, it's sort of, and it's and it's not even that. It's it's all of the things together. Like we we've, we've just known a lot of these guys have had injury, you know, have had injury issues. You have the is is Pennington Jones going to be eligible? 
there's just sort of all these questions that if we knew right now, everybody's 100% healthy. Pennington Jones is playing. Absolutely, they'd be ranked higher than where we have them. There's, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say that unequivocally, but yes, we considered him as, okay, very good chance he's there. We considered him, but in the back of our head, we still couldn't, you know, we, we couldn't just say, yeah, we know he's playing and we're going to rank him right up there. Like we know he's playing it, it, we, all of, I think all of us that, well, that fed into our rankings had that in the back of our head. Just to clarify the rule for all of our Cracked Rackets listeners who may not have the NCAA rule book memorized. If you are signed to an agent, that's it, right? Pack the bag, start the plane, your college career is over. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's That's the rule, be, right? correct? Yeah. So I just, but again, 19 years old. Here's the thing. They all start to add up, right? Pennington Jones still 19. And he's on the TCU roster. Like this kid, he's, I love you, Texas Christian University. Jack Pennington Jones isn't becoming a horned frog to play school, Chris. He's going there to play tennis. Like, you know, again, that's where, to me, they have to have figured something out. You you would assume. I I, want to say I I don't have them in front of me. Did he not appear on the ITA top 10 newcomer list? He did, but he didn't play in the fall. No, he absolutely didn't play. Uh, But... You know, and and that doesn't mean a damn thing. You know, let's yeah, let's sure. be straight. Well, I don't think Famba played in the fall, or like played twice. He played the he played the All Americans, but did he play Fall Nats? I don't think he did. I'm, I remember I'm, him playing All Americans. I don't think he played Fall Nats, but carry on. Yeah, but but I'm, my point was just because the ITA will show him on the newcomers doesn't mean he's NCAA eligible. But at the same time, you know, the fact that he did show up there, I, like you said, I coach Roditi has a pretty strong feeling that he can get him there. But, you know, a couple of years ago, coach Boland at Baylor thought he was going to get Juan Benitez eligible again. And it never <laughs> happened. So it's, you know, it, it, these guys that have played a lot of, that have a lot of pro experience, uh, it's it's always questionable, so we'll we'll just let it play out. And like, but like you said, it's not a Bicknell and Isaac Bacroft from last year, a Brancatelli, as you as you stated. All of those guys, you know, for the listeners, were simply because they actually played a match in the fall for a different school. Once you do that, you're done. You transfer, that's fine. You could transfer, but you're out for the year. You can't play for that school. Uh, you know, barring a waiver from, I, I mean, I, I think. No, all those kids were transfers. They were already college athletes who were looking to continue their careers elsewhere, right? Pennington Jones is looking to start exactly. a college career. He's just coming in. And, and I think other schools, in those other cases, waivers could have been possible, but had would have had to have been agreed to by the previous school. In this case, there's no previous school. He's just coming in. And and like you said, 
all of the other coaches, if they had any say, would, of course, be saying, no way. <laughs> but uh, oh, we'll see what the NCAA says. By the way, I read an article the other day that said there was a college football player who is about to start his ninth year of eligibility, to which in my head I thought, oh, Juan Benitez, still eligible. That's good to know. He's transitioned to football. <laughs> I was like, that's actually what popped into my head. So. He's probably somewhere in Arkansas at the bowling camp. <laughs> Uh, that's good. All right. All of that in mind, a couple last things we want to do here as we preview this TCU team. Let's look at the schedule, the conference, obviously the Big 12, the densest conference, pound for pound. You're not going to find a more talented conference in college tennis. Certainly Texas, a team we have not talked about yet, but we know the core that they bring back. Baylor has earned the benefit of the doubt perennially. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was <laughs> leave all this in West stuff. I start laughing as I'm talking. I was gonna say perennially a top fifteen team, and then I was like, if you say that, Alex, the amount of phone calls you will have over the course of the next forty eight hours from Baylor faithful, like a perennial top ten team. Okay, is that better? Is that is that clear? I was gonna say top fifteen just like to be like you know more broad the categorization. But Baylor has earned the benefit of the doubt. They are perennially in that top ten conversation. Obviously, we both think Oklahoma with the addition of Sifo Monsi, the year Martinez and Jordan Hassan have had in the fall. We think that Oklahoma team can take a step up now. It's second year for Dustin Taylor in Oklahoma State. You figured they might take another leap forward as well. Now, there's no clue what's going on at Texas Tech. But again, those five matches, all tournament-level teams in your five conference matches, no of course, you know, no uh, n- no cakewalks is what I was looking for. There's going to be no easy matches on that schedule. Of course, the thing I really love that the Big 12 teams are doing is the home-and-homes that we see now between TCU and Baylor, between TCU and Texas as well. And credit to Coach Roditi, knowing he has only five must-play conference matches. He has done so well, Chris, to fill up his non-conference schedule, which, by the way, Baylor has as well, just because I know this is a Big 12 podcast. Let's keep that clear. There's a lot of good schedules in the Big 12 this season. But, I mean, once again, you look for these TCU Horned Frogs. Listen to this first two weeks of February. Kickoff weekend, then at Tennessee, at North Carolina, at Baylor, Pepperdine at home. Then they've got the National Indoor Championships, where, by the way, kickoff weekend, they are hosting Utah, Texas Tech, and Gonzaga. After that, you look through the rest of the month of March. They play that non-conference match, Texas at home. Then they've got UCLA at home, at Florida, Illinois at home, USC at home before they get into conference play. There's enough meat on that bone, Chris. I don't care that there's only five conference matches. If TCU does their job, they will unequivocally be a top eight seed, right? They just have enough opportunities to do just that. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, like the the matches you mentioned, some of those names may be bigger in previous years than they are now. Illinois, North Carolina, for instance. Florida's Illinois, North Carolina. By the way, SMU they have early in the season. That's not exactly a cakewalk either. No, nor is Tulsa, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, some some good matches on. And the schedule. honestly, so, I'm buying stock in Abilene Christian. I'm just throwing that out there now. But carry on, Chris. Yeah, I don't know since Joshy he's gone. But uh, <laughs> yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, th- it's uh, 
I mean, it's a great schedule. And then obviously, and still Pepperdine. I mean, there are plenty of opportunities for some of these schools to step up. We don't really know, right, what we're going to get out of North Carolina this year. And it doesn't really, you know, from the ranking standpoint, it doesn't matter what they are when TCU plays them. It matters what they are at the end of the year when it comes down to rankings for NCAA tournament. And if North Carolina is, a, you know, in really good shape at that point through the ACC schedule, who, you know, we've talked about after Virginia, who knows what comes. They're one of those teams that could be in there. That's great for them. Uh, and they've got a lot of schools like that. The, you know, Baylor this year, even they're getting non-conference, like you mentioned, home and home. They're getting a non-conference match in addition to the conference match. Yeah, Florida, maybe not with six new starters this year, not what they were. Still not going to be a bad team. Illinois, who knows? But yeah, it's a, a USC non-conference match. We just got done talking about them at the Open. And there are, as you mentioned, no easy matches in the Big 12 or the Big Six, as I like to refer to them in tennis. Uh, and, you know, the you you talked about who knows what the heck's going on at Texas Tech. Nev, they have plenty of talent on the roster. Obviously, Coach Whitehead stepped down. Never an easy place to play. And they are at Texas Tech. You know, they finished their their big six schedule at Texas Tech at Texas. Uh, you know, not an not an easy finish to the schedule. But yeah, it, there are plenty of points on on that schedule. If TCU does their job. It'll be just like last year. There'll be a top eight team hosting all the way into the final site. I was very conservative in my counting. I have 11 top 25 teams on their schedule, and that's the most conservative number I could come to. That's, you know, not including teams like Illinois or Oklahoma State as being on the precipice of top 25 at any point this season, which... How good is Oklahoma State, real quick? I know this is a bit of a tangent, but should we expect a leap from Coach Taylor and the guys this year? I, I feel like, again, they've got a lot of pieces. I know Zink's, I think, coming back. Like, it should be a better team, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you say elite. I, I wouldn't expect elite from No, no, guys, no, no, no. not elite, a leap. A leap oh, from a leap. Them, where they go from outside the top 40 to, I think they should be firmly in that conversation all year long. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, it's definitely going to be a better team than they had last year. Look, they got so so one of the guys I had mentioned earlier, Isaac McCroft, started at Mississippi State, went to Loyola Marymount, played a couple matches in the fall for Loyola Marymount last year, transferred to Oklahoma State for the same reason that Blaze Bicknell was ineligible at Tennessee because he played a match for Florida in the fall. But Croft was ineligible for Oklahoma State. He is now eligible. He will be up there. They get Chase Ferguson, a transfer in from South Florida. It's an upgrade to the roster this year for sure. I mean, both those two guys I just mentioned, definitely in the lineup, probably top four guys in the lineup. Ferguson was a top two lineup guy, you know, for, for USF. It's definitely going to be a leap for that team this year. Still not necessarily where DT wants them to be. I mean, he's, you know, he's still just getting his recruiting to kick in, mm -hmm. but definitely they're in the realm now where on the right day, they might be able to pull off a home episode over some, over one of those top teams. No, it's, I mean, again, it speaks to the power six, 
as you talked about it. And uh, again, this is a, a, a very strong Big 12 conference from start to finish. And the fact that Texas Tech, who might be the weakest team on paper this year, you have to play that match on the road. No easy thing for TCU. But look, we like the schedule. We like the roster. Let's do a quick synopsis for all of our listeners who, in case they like to skip forward to the 58th minute of the pod and just be like, give me the bullet points. Let's start here. Biggest strength for this TCU team in your mind is what, Chris? If healthy, depth. I mean, every single guy on the roster is a 13-plus UTR. I mean, it's just there's nobody has that depth in 8D. And also, it's the doubles, too. I think this is the team where, of all the teams in the country, obviously there are certain systems that have earned the benefit of the doubts, but this team literally brings back a 19-5 and number one doubles duo in Famba and Fernley. And that team might honestly be the second-best doubles team on their roster because go watch Jung and Maxted and tell me that's not a top-10 doubles team in the country. Certainly, they were ranked top-10 throughout the portion of the fall. So you're absolutely right. It's not just depth in singles. It's doubles depth. They've got two extraordinary teams, Chris, before they even work in junior Wimbledon champion Sebastian Gorsny. So, yes, depth's the biggest strength. What's the biggest weakness or concern? Is it just the unknown? Is it the injury factor that we've seen? You know, what is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the unknowns of, of the combo of is Pennington Jones really going to be eligible and is everybody going to be healthy? Do we get uh, right out of the gate, healthy Fernley, uh, right out of the gate, healthy Vives, uh, you know, uh, just across the board, is everyone ready to go? They're deep if everyone's eligible. And one player we didn't mention on the roster who I think I heard you allude to, do you have strong Luke Swan takes, Chris? No, I have no Luke Swan takes. Okay, yeah, I just want to make sure we didn't not mention his name. So, you know, shout out. And Tomas Jirasek, who actually is the nicest guy in the world, by the way, who we've had the chance to interact with. And, like, that adds to the depth, right? Because there's a world where you see some of the top-end talent they have on this roster. And, like, the fact Jirasek might not play, despite all the injuries, obviously, he's dealt with throughout his career. We know how solid he can be when on the court. With that said... Let's have some fun. Let's get to this projected lineup, Chris, and let's go straight to May. Let's do the, I mean, I just, let's go one through seven so that if Pennington Jones doesn't play, because I assume he's going to appear in your top six, we know who that seventh guy might be. You start, give me your lineup. Just roll me through it, Chris. I mean, look, I'm the UTR guy, but even though he's, Third right now on the team, UTR. Famba's my one. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking him out of the one spot. Um, it's just, I mean, he's got a bit obviously a big game, and especially indoors, I'm not mm-hmm. getting him out of the one spot. But like you said, come May, hey, if Pennington Jones turns out to be everything that he's cracked up to be, maybe he is at that point. Right now, I go Famba one, Pennington two. It's a to me, it's a battle between Fernley and, and Jong. I probably still go Jong three, Fernley four. I've got Gorsny five. And then you've got a three-way battle between Vivas, Maxted, and Jirasek uh at at you know, for for the six. And five. Swan. And, and yeah, and Swan. <laughs> and if I get to get all of those guys battling for one spot in the lineup and everyone else is healthy, man, do I feel good. Like if, if my worst, if my worst decision, uh, I'm coach Roditi and coach Bowen and, and the worst thing I have to worry about going into my, you know, round of 16 NCAA match is 
uh, or, or even post doubles during the match. Uh, are we pulling somebody or who are we playing? Are we playing Vives? Are we playing Maxted? We played Jirsek, we played Swan. Uh, I'm not feeling real bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's absolutely right. Again, this is one of those years where you feel like Coach Roditi could put the dartboard up with all the names and then just say, like, who's playing for today? Oh, it's 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 Louis Maxted. Like, congrats, yeah. Louis. You're playing four. Who's playing six today? You know what? Let's throw another dart because it landed on Luke Swan. Who's playing six today? Um, no, I mean, again, it's just like, sorry, Luke, by the way. We like to have fun here on this show, listeners, in case you have forgotten. And I look forward to seeing Luke in person at an event this year. His photo looks like one swing at me and I'm out like just for the day. So he's clearly the enforcer. I apologize for all the jokes at his uh, on his behalf or at his, but whatever. You get what I'm saying? English, not my strength. I agree. Fombat won 15. What was the record last year? I have it in front of me now. Famba overall on the season, 14 and four at the number one spot. He's a senior. It just feels like he's earned that trust. His calming presence at the top of the lineup as well. Like, is he the guy who's going to be leading the fiery charge from the team? No, but is he the one who they're going to see struggling and maybe a down day for him brings down everyone else? Absolutely not. I think Famba has earned that benefit of the doubt. I keep him at one. <sighs> Landlord, congratulations. You're moving up to the number two spot. I'll go Pennington Jones three. No, Pennington Jones is going to play the number two spot. Landlord three, Fernley four, Gorsney five. Vives was top 500 in the world. He's my six for now, and I probably go Jurasek seven, but I don't feel great about that. Like, again, they're yeah, all— but you're right there with you. See, your top five was exactly my top yeah. five. And then, and then yeah, it's a, it's a battle after that, which is what you want. When you're a coach, that's what you want is to have the luxury of some really good players all battling— it keeps the competitive juices going at practice. It's, you know, guys trying to fight their way into the lineup. Every, mm-hmm. it's, it's all good. Let me also throw this at you. They went 56 and 17 in individual dual match double sets last year, won 70.767% uh, of their affairs. Do they go over or under that number this year when you bring back four of the pieces and you add a junior Wimbledon champion on top of everything else? I mean, that's a ridiculous. <laughs> Given the schedule they have, that's a pretty ridiculous number. I think they're going to be obviously really, really good in doubles. But if you make me bet, I'll take the under. I don't know how you repeat that. I mean, if they repeat that, they're the best doubles point in the country, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And they have this is the first team I've looked at where I can definitively say you have the pieces to have the best doubles point in the country. You might be up 1-0 in every match you play, and obviously we both know the longer the season goes, the more those sorts of things end up mattering. And so I do think that factors into TCU's ceiling moving forward. And with that in mind, let's get to the predictions. Chris, does this team defend its national indoor title? I know this is. By the way, as we said at the start of the pod, we're in tier one, folks. You want to know where the national championship conversations start? It is right with these teams. Technically, USC plus TN, and now here with TCU. It only gets tougher from here, my friend. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm the math guy. If I'm playing the numbers, I have to say, are they greater than fifty percent? No, so I'll say no. (laughs) What's Uh, their uh, What's their power six number? 
Are there top six numbers? Sorry, the universal tennis ratings. Uh, 80, 81, six is, uh, is where the team's at, uh, which ranks roughly what, like fifth or sixth. I, yeah, I, ha- I had it up. I think they're in the, yeah, they're in that, in that, uh, actually I know, I think they're higher than that. I, I want to, I want to say, give me a second and, uh, no, and, leave uh, this what? all in. This is good filibustering. This is again, Pre-production meetings, folks, are for professionals. We don't do that here at Crack Rackets. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Yeah, I I, I want to say that they're that they're more like two, three ish in the. And again, that's because we're you know we're counting Pennington Jones, and if we're gonna count Pennington in there, yeah, they're they're two behind Ohio State. They're two in the Power Six UTR right now. Holy the top ten or the top, I'll go top five. Top five right now: Ohio State, TCU, Texas, Michigan, Virginia. That's your top five power wow. six UTR. I wonder if they add a bonus knowing that Luke Famba is my little brother's favorite player. Like, do you think that factors in at all? The universe does Parsa have the <laughs> Nicholas Gruskin rating factored in I, there at all? I don't think so. But what I really want to know is, like, on the family vacations that they must be on right now, or the you know the family downtimes at home. Who who claims more more clout, Luke or Eric? Mm. I mean, are you asking me who's better at tennis? I Luke. mean, like, well, um, you know, is Eric going? Hey, you 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 guys were the top seed. You couldn't win it. You couldn't win it last year. Come yeah, on. and he goes. <laughs> yeah, and then Eric looks at him. Or Luke looks at Eric and goes, "Yeah, how was that old Miss loss? Do you enjoy yeah. that one?" <laughs> yeah, um, and then he goes, uh, "Yeah, bye. but I went to Stanford." Yeah, no, and then he goes, yeah, that's cute. How'd you guys do in the 2018 final? Oh, you lost to Wake Forest? That's cute. We, we won it last year. You want to see my ring? Which of my rings do you want to see? The conference title? Do you want to see the national indoor title? Um, Yeah, check out my rings. Yeah, that's um, got to be a fun family Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I'm Team Luke because younger brother. I mean, it's funny. I'm an older brother and a younger brother, Um, which, by the way, I started making a joke that because – Fun fact for you listeners, and if you're listening to minute number 68, you deserve this story. My older brother just finished Harvard Business School. Younger brother's currently at Penn. Uh, so I told my parents, are you guys and You're just here with st-? me. Well, exactly. So I told my parents, <laughs> I go, are you going to start calling me pubby now, where I'm just the public school, like, dropout wannabe who, you know, was on TV and had a whole segment called Gruskin Bingo named after him, and yet because he went to public school, is just the failure of the family, is the odd duckling. <laughs> And honest to God, I think I actually convinced my dad to start calling me puppy, Chris. So I'm actually really excited about that fact. I think it's freaking hilarious. Um, anyways, all of that said, let's get into it. You see how I work that humble bag brag, by the way, that my brothers are really cool and I'll just be riding their coattails for the rest of my I, life. I saw that. I, I also know that when we hit the bars in March, you're going to be like listening out for, hey, puppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, um, yeah. All right. With all that said, um, Big Twelve regular season, they win it or conference, they get one of them. Uh, one of uh, yeah, I I think one of them. Yes, the uh, the top three are still the top three from last year, right? We've got Texas, TCU, Baylor. Baylor, a little bit of an unknown, a lot of newcomers, mm-hmm. uh, some departed guys, obviously. So so they're sort of on our outside looking at the top two right now, but wouldn't be surprised if they put themselves in there. But I think between 
Texas and TCU that that we see a split. Yeah, I think that I think they get one of the one of the two uh, and, and Texas probably gets the other. By the way, I feel like I should have explained this in the moment. Leave it in in this order. The reason Pubby public school, University of Michigan, public Harvard, Penn, Ivy League's private just to explain the joke for some people who might, who also went to public schools, Chris, and didn't get it. Uh, so just to explain yeah. that joke um, to all of them, you know my thoughts. We've been saying for three years now that 2023 is the season for Texas. So I do think this is the season for Texas. I'm going to stick with that take. That said, the, the concept of this TCU team not winning any sort of title during the regular season just seems absolutely asinine. That said... Are they a top eight seed come the NCAA tournament? Yeah, they're they're top eight, and 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 I'll even go so far as to say the split. I think they lose the regular season. The only reason I say that is primarily that they're at Texas, mm-hmm. so I'll give the benefit of the doubt in that match to the Longhorns. The Big Twelve Championships get gets played at a neutral site in Kansas, where hell they don't even have men's tennis. <laughs> I'll take TCU there, uh, but yeah, that. Uh, so I'll say I'll say TCU takes the conference title. Texas takes the regular season title. All right, I like it. With that in mind, then NCAA tournament. How do the TCU Horn Frogs fare, Chris? I think, in large part, as we've discussed, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot. A lot of that, to me, will will end up depending, in all likelihood on the eligibility of Pennington. If if he's if he's eligible, I mean, they're national title contenders no doubt. Without him eligible, they're still really freaking good. But I think a quarterfinal run is probably as far as they go given the teams that we've got at the top. So would you because of the unknowns as well include you know including the Pennington situation I'm gonna say quarterfinals but by no means would I be shocked to see come the end of the year go oh look TCU won the national championship not gonna you know things could break that way no this is tier number one again they are firmly in it and I'm just thinking in my head like who could sincerely defeat this like who do I feel confident like oh they're gonna play TCU they're gonna beat TCU for sure like this was the number one seed at in the NCAA tournament last year no you're you're not you're not picking any team that you say for sure yeah exactly I mean we're gonna be in that conversation with everybody from here up nobody is a for sure loser to anybody this is what I'm (laughs) saying this is what makes the prediction game so difficult that's why I'm trying to get us out of it Chris that's why I'm trying to avoid predictions now uh moving forward it's crazy to say this team that was the number one seed at the NCAA tournament last year, the national indoor only champion, a final and are better than they were last year. Are only yeah. I, on paper. <sighs> That's what I'm saying, though. I'm sticking with our rankings, my friends. I'm going to have this team in the quarterfinal round. Now, as we get closer to the top, I think that's when I'll start to deviate a little bit, but... Boy, I've never had a team reach the NCAA quarterfinals and feel like I'm letting them down, like I'm selling them short. And yet that's how I feel about this TCU team because, again, if completely eligible, they can be that good. Final word goes to you, Chris. It, I mean, you're, it is, and it's, you know, we've talked, look, we'll add the the one other part that we've added. Yes, Pennington's got 
a, a fair amount of experience, maybe more so even at a pro level than than some other freshmen that you see coming in around the country have. But we've talked about this ad nauseum with Stanford teams in the past, with TCU teams in the past, teams that are counting on incoming freshmen to to say, hey, that's the reason we're going to be whatever it is. It's, I mean, it's just a different game in college tennis. It's not an individual sport. You you can sit there and analyze it all you want and say it's one guy against another on a tennis court. It's not an individual sport. It is a team sport. Doubles counts for a point the way the guys root for each other. You get a team of individuals versus a team of guys that are pulling for the team. It's a totally different thing. And it always seems to take a year for those guys to gel. That The Virginia team with all the freshmen was the exception to the, you know, obviously there's always an exception to the rule. They were the exception to the well, rule. Can we actually be clear though? That Virginia team lost in the round of 16 to USC. So they actually weren't the exception to the rule. Like even they took a hiccup that first year. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's really hard yeah. to bring a bunch of new guys in and say, yep, we got all these highly touted guys. We're going to be, we're going to be the team. It, always takes another year always with an asterisk right being there could be an exception but it's tough and and i think so between that we're counting on a gorsney jones uh or a gorsney pennington jones you know newcomers plus no you know no issues on the injury front plus pennington being eligible it's a lot of question marks if none of that's there yeah they're they're, they're better than a quarterfinal team but but I'm sorry, right now it's there. So that's where we've got them. Yeah. And I mean, again, this team can be that good. So we'll keep an eye out for the TCU Horn Frogs. Don't let, and I, I hope the takeaway from this podcast is not that we have them falling short, but the idea that we agree with everyone that this team can be as good as any team out there in the country. With that said, your number six team entering the 2023 season in our Crack Records preseason poll is the TCU Horned Frogs. With all that said, we'll be back tomorrow as we get into our top five men's and women's teams, Chris. Tomorrow, we'll have John Parsons and I break down the number five women's team on Friday. It'll be me and you breaking down the number five men's team. And again, folks, we're under a month away. One month from now, January 20th, College tennis will be being played across the country. In fact, slowly but surely, folks, we are looking forward to announcing our schedule here at Crack Rackets. All the college tennis will be able to bring to all of you listeners, of course. In the meantime, going to try and talk to a bunch of head coaches, so be on the lookout for those over on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. Of course, if you're looking for ATP WTA previewing of 2023, head on over to the Mini Break podcast feed. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- job he does day in day out making all of our content possible with that said for the fantastic chris i owe him money lean mean vegetarian machine hallie oris our super producer daniel westoff our friends at tennis point and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin chris what do we tell our listeners hey great shot and we will see you all tomorrow thank you as always my friend Thank you.